I'm Tom Kearney. I'm here every night, Monday through Friday, from 9 to 10, with a little bit of live and in real-time radio. We try to bring you programs that are entertaining and educational. And uh, uh, I've learned a lot myself just listening to some of the guests that we have, and one that is particularly uh, I've learned a lot from because I've always been interested in the, the subject that he uh, knows a lot about is Mr. Rod Gonski, who used to work with the National Weather Service, but now works in meteorology and private industry, and he's our guest tonight. Rod, are you there? I'm here, Tom. How are you? I, I am fine. I have uh, uh, been glad that uh, the weather today, which we'll, of course, be talking about, at least you'll be talking about it, uh, do not work out as quite as badly as it might have, uh, and uh, I just kind of lifts my spirits a little bit that we may <laughs> see some sunshine before too long and and uh, I, I think uh, it was about almost 20 years ago now that we had the uh, the uh, there was a, a, a uh, an ice storm that came along and uh, and it uh, well yeah we, we can talk about that but uh, you know just today uh, there was a lot of uh, interesting meteorology around uh, around the triangle here. And, um, you know, I, 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 I got up and uh, uh, went out this morning, and uh, I looked at the thermometer, and, uh, you know, 33 to 36 degrees, basically, on my car thermometer and, uh, and at home, and I have a couple of thermometers at home, and they all registered above freezing. But when I got out uh, here in West Raleigh, uh, I noticed that ice was forming on many of the trees. Uh, I don't know if uh, if you saw that or not, Tom, but uh, it, it kind of surprised me in a way. I know it was in the forecast, but uh, I figured with temperatures above freezing, we didn't have much to be concerned about. Uh, but then there was a, a tree down, too, uh, down over Ridge Road uh, inside the Beltline in Raleigh. And, and so uh, I know that, that there was some... Uh, was some damage from from ice in the trees and elevated surfaces. So you have to, you know, there were probably a lot of people that were questioning, uh, you know, why should there be ice in the trees when uh, temperatures are above freezing? Uh, so I went back and uh, and looked at the, uh, uh, the, the balloon sounding that goes up every morning from central North Carolina around Greensboro, and all you had to do is go up around 3,000 feet, and that temperature there was 24 degrees Fahrenheit, so well below freezing at that elevation, um, and uh, a 30 to 40 mile an hour wind from the northeast, which uh, meant that there was cold air being supplied to us as it was precipitating. So, uh, so uh, the air was also saturated, and so of course it was raining and drizzling, and and uh, but what. What in fact that was ha was happening was the air or, or the precipitation was getting cooled below freezing as super cold water droplets, and as uh, those super cold water droplets uh, came in contact with the elevated surfaces, they froze on contact. So uh, so we saw a lot of ice, even though uh, you know even though the temperatures at the ground level were were above freezing, and uh, I also looked at soil temperatures, you know the ground temperatures and. Uh, uh, and, and actually, that's available uh, from the state climate office uh, website. They have uh, real-time soil temperatures that can be accessed there. And most of the soil temperatures were uh, 40 to 45 degrees. So we knew we didn't have 
much of a problem on on the ground, you know, on the roads and in in in, uh, in the ground. But uh, but certainly as you you got into elevated surfaces, there was ice forming. So even though uh, I guess the caution there is that even though uh, temperatures may not be forecast to go below freezing, you can still have freezing rain on uh, on things like elevated surfaces, trees, and power lines. Uh, if you have that cold air just above the surface and you have super cold water droplets coming down. I like to believe that this is the first time that you've ever seen that this happen. Uh, is that maybe the case? <laughs> no, I think, uh, I think I may have seen that before, but uh, it was a good illustration of uh, how it can happen. It was kind of a classic situation here in, in central North Carolina. You know, so often we've talked about, uh, the, you know, the cold air source. A lot of times we don't get it directly from, from the plains or from the Midwest, but rather it comes down uh, the east side of the Appalachians. And even though the Appalachians are not nearly as, as tall as, like, the Rocky Mountains, uh, they, they do go up uh, two to 4,000 feet. And uh, that's enough to trap cold air uh, on, the east, on the east coast, basically, on the east coast states and drives it down into North Carolina. And uh, basically that's what happened with this situation. And uh, early on, a few days ago, the models weren't really playing it up too much, but uh, in succeeding uh, runs of the models, they, they kept on edging southward more and more with the cold air. So uh, so we were right on the edge of it here. It was a, a lot more ice as you went up toward, uh, toward Virginia and uh, up into that area. Uh, and right here in the Triangle, we were in quite a... Uh, quite a difference between southeast and northwest uh, part of Wake County uh, as far as how much ice you might have seen. Well, I, I, one of the reasons I asked uh, about that uh, was that I, I was thinking, what, what, what will I be talking about tonight? And I certainly wasn't questioning that there would be a lot of things to talk about because we've had lots of different kinds of weather. There's oh, yeah. a place tonight where you can talk about tornadoes. And, uh, oh, yeah. and, we'll and, get to and, that, too. Uh, where the moisture you is know, coming from. Well, one, one second, you, but one of the things I thought he did certainly, I said he's going to be talking about all the layers of the atmosphere, you know, and, and that's one of the sort of revelations that I've had that I just never knew much about in my sort of amateurish study of, of, of weather. But, but back to you. You know, uh, this week in February uh, has historically been frequented by cold, uh, uh, cold and winter storms and ice. You know, we've, we've been kind of lulled the last four Februarys. I look back uh, here the last four years uh, on how Februarys have been. And and uh, in the last four Februarys, we've been above to well above normal temperatures here in February. So some of us that are newly arrived to this area uh, might think that spring always arrives in February. <laughs> you know? But if you go a little bit further back, uh, especially for this week, all you have to do is go back to 2015, and uh, there was snow and sleet uh, here in the Triangle on the 16th and 17th of February. Uh, 2014, uh, snow and freezing rain on the 12th and, and 13th of February. Go back to 2013, so this is the third year in a row. There was snow on the 16th and 17th again of, of February. And then going further back, uh, 2003, we had snow, sleet, and freezing rain on the 15th through the 17th of this month. Uh, 1996, we, we had several inches of snow on the 16th of uh, February. And uh, probably the, the, the daddy of them all, as far as 
a benchmark for, for sleet. In 1987, we had anywhere from four to eight inches of sleet here in the Triangle on the 16th and 17th of February. So this week in, in uh, of February especially uh, is is uh, can be quite wintry. <laughs> we certainly have seen a lot of winter, not only here but as you know, well across the country. But we're we're receiving that some of that right now. Uh, another thing about February is that uh, it, it's one of the most dramatic months for temperature variation year to year. Like I mentioned, the last four years have been above normal, but just swings in temperatures can be up to 70 degrees uh, when we consider daytime max temperatures from one year to another on the same date in February. So, you know, one year it, we, may have ha- we may have a high of 83 degrees, let's say, and then the, in another year we might have only uh, 33 degrees or, or even 13 degrees like it was back in 1899. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there's quite a variation there in, uh, in February. So, it is kind of exciting for, for weather people. Uh, it certainly uh, uh, presents a lot of changes to us. What, uh, I, I can ask you this. You may have uh, the figures there. One year, I think it was 86 or 87, it snowed the last on like the February 27th and 28th. And a pretty oh, yeah. snow it was. Uh, yes, it was. And, 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 and certainly winter is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Now, February 12th is, when you look back at the records here in the Triangle, February 12th is about the midpoint of uh, significant snows that have occurred here in, in the Triangle, uh, you know, for the wintertime. So, you know, if you count back a couple months, you can go forward another uh, month or even month and a half and, uh, and, and, and find out that there were some pretty significant snows uh, here. I remember uh, one around the 1st and 2nd of March that we had over a foot of snow uh, and, and there have been several March occurrences of, uh, of snow uh, occurring. And, of course, uh, we've had uh, measurable snow as late as April 18th back in, uh, I think it was 1983. So it was, uh, uh, this, this year uh, is, is apt to be a, a dramatic year, sort of like that. And although, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the weather charts uh further out as, uh, as part of my job, actually, for early alert that I do business with. And uh, we're going to have, a, we're gonna have probably see a warm-up on uh, uh, the mid to late next week. And uh, it should actually feel pretty nice out there in about a week from now. Uh, but uh, following that, uh, by the time we get into early March, it looks like we could be uh, rocking and rolling with the, with the cold air coming and going. Uh, so... Uh, you know, I, I would say that there's, like, the groundhog up there in Pennsylvania. I think we've got uh, uh, pretty much uh, the full winter ahead of us uh, right to uh, until the astronomical spring finally arrives here in, in late March. So what you're telling me is that when you went out this morning, you saw your shadow. Okay, that's what you're saying. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we, need, we need to take a break, then we'll come back and talk some more, because there is lots of kinds of weather around, and lots for a lot of our resident meteorologist to talk about. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Every night, Monday through Friday, 9 to 10. Our guest tonight is Rod Gonski, who used to work with the National Weather Service and now does meteorological things for private industry. And he's talking about the kind of interesting weather we've had lately. Rod, um, 
you you just uh, demonstrated that uh, this February has got some wintry weather, and in fact, we've had wintry weather all over the country. Just ask the people in San Antonio, for instance, if you don't believe oh, that. But uh, but here it's been a brutal part, cold. Yeah, I'm it's sorry. been a brutal cold February in in uh, in, uh, in most of the heartland of, of this country, uh, everywhere from. Um, the Appalachian Mountains over to the Rocky Mountains uh, and all the way up into Alaska. I mean, uh, and I know Alaska's always cold anyways, but but anywhere from uh, 20 to as much as 40 degrees below the normals for, for the month, uh, all the way from, as you said, San Antonio, all the way up to like Point Barrow, Alaska. Uh, so it's really uh, quite an incredible uh, amount of cold air that has... Uh, plunged into the uh, central part of the continent here. And we're, we've been sort of on the edge of it here in North Carolina. Uh, uh, you know, we've, uh, but what we, what we have seen from that, and I'll get into that a little bit more, is an increase in the storm pattern as far as, uh, you know, uh, extratropical storms going through uh, this part, dropping a lot of rain. And, uh, and uh, boy, we, we've certainly had a lot of rain. But anyways, getting back to the cold for just a moment, it's just, uh, it, it's not unprecedented. I mean, we've seen these types of things before. All you have to do is, is go back uh, to coal blasts in 1977 and uh, in 1983. Uh, those occurred in, in January and December, though, whereas this one's in February. Uh, but the other years uh, that February's have been brutally cold has been 1936 and all the way back to 1899. And uh, it's, it's interesting because Raleigh in 1899, there were four days this week, four days solid that, that stayed below freezing from the February 10th to February 13th with record low temperatures uh, in that period as well as uh, coldest days on record. And, uh, and so that, uh, there's a minus two degrees that, uh, that still stands as the record for the record low temperature for February 14th uh, occurring uh, uh, back in 1899, and and that 1899 incident, I mean that uh, that was uh, uh, a coast to coast type of an event. It was just uh, the entire continent practically was was cold. Uh, so they they've had some wicked weather. Weather, and, and as far as the the surge of cold weather, uh, if you want a good book to uh, read about a cold blast, uh, the that book I think I might have mentioned it to you. It's called The Children's Blizzard of 1888. Uh, by by uh, David Laskin, and uh, and and it's about a, a a coal blast that occurred in the plains when they were trying to settle the plains. And I just remember the the passage where it said that the uh, the coal blast uh, went right through the plains and all the way down to the Yucatan Peninsula. So I mean, you, you know, you can get these if you want to call them polar polar vortexes or anything else. I mean, they've been happening historically. Uh, but they don't happen every year, obviously. But uh, they they can happen, uh, you know, every so often uh, across the continent, and there have been records uh, of that happening. Well, that blizzard uh, has an achievement. Uh, uh, being an old history teacher, it's actually in the regular history books, not just the weather history books, because I think it sort of finished off the range cattle industry in in the West. Because uh, right, very very good. And it was yeah. also the year that they had a blizzard in New York City in, 19, in March of 1988. Uh, that 1988, uh, not 1988, I'm sorry, 1888, 
it's a benchmark storm for New York City. I know that. And uh, so that was a, a real dr- dramatic uh, event uh, uh, or a dramatic winter time uh, for the country uh, back then. So, um, so anyways, uh, one, of, one of the things I was going to mention, though, is that because the, the storm uh, the storm path uh, for many of these winter storms has, uh, has uh, you know, dropped further south, we're getting we're continuing to get more and more rain here in the Carolinas, and uh, a good portion of eastern North Carolina at least has got flood warnings or flood watches out, and uh, we've uh, certainly have had uh, our share of rain, we're well above normal for the last six months here, and, uh, not only in, in, in North Carolina, but actually uh, everywhere from from the Gulf states on up to the Mid-Atlantic region. It's just, uh, it's been quite amazing, uh, the amount of rain that has occurred in, in this part of the country, uh, and uh, so uh, um, hopefully we won't get into a drought <laughs> right away. But you know, uh, the climate climate is, is sort of uh, opposite of what the climatological pattern usually is with the La Nina situation. Of course, the La Nina is the cold phase of the uh, Southern Oscillation, uh, the El Nino process out in the Pacific. Normally, the cold phase, that's called the La Nina, is typically causing dry weather across the uh, southern half of the United States. And uh, most of, like I said, most of the area uh, from the Mississippi River on up uh, to the Mid-Atlantic region has been wetter than normal uh, with that situation. So uh, it's, uh, um, there are a lot of things involved uh, besides the, uh, what's happening in the Pacific, but that's usually a, a pretty good teleconnection for, for dry weather here. So, we may see it go dry, but there's still certainly no uh, indications of that uh, in the next few weeks. Well, if I remember correctly, the uh, prediction uh, that came out in uh, October 23rd, I think, from the National right. Weather Service, right. uh, what it said about the southern half of the, if you do the line across the middle of the country, you know, uh, uh, yep. the southern half, and particularly the southeast, was going to be, uh, milder and wetter is what it said, if I remember correctly. <laughs> and and it may, uh, I don't mean to, well. Milder and drier, I think it was. Well, uh, we remember it differently, but but, but you're the weather, you're, when you're my guest and you're the weather guy, you get to be right. But in any event, uh, uh, it does seem like, though, that, well, you know, we've had some cold weather, and but, but the weather last night, uh, and that this past weekend that was creating the freezing rain was not uh, uh, a whole lot above uh, freezing. In fact, I think that was one of the one of the reasons we didn't have any any more ice than we did this morning. Is the the temperature overnight was you know around 32, 33, 31, somewhere like that. And right, we've had some cold days, but we haven't had. I don't think we've had a lot of days when it got really really down like to 23 or 24. So, man, I don't believe there's been a a, a day that I can remember that it's got down and stayed down below, say, 20 or any time like that. So, you see, right. I, this is anecdotal, of course. I'm just saying it seems like it's been milder to me, and and uh, and you've just demonstrated uh, that it's been, yeah. been wetter. Yeah, but You're anyway. absolutely correct, Tom. Uh, good observation, because... And, and one of the one of the reasons the temperatures haven't gone down that much is yeah, hold on, the hold on. Can, you, can you save that for a minute? Let that be a tease because we're at the point where we need to check the news. Rod Gonski is our guest. We'll be back. Friday night.
trivia. Beginning next week, we're going to talk about uh, hiking the Appalachian Trail. Uh, A new book about that on Monday night. Stephen, my brother, Kearney, is going to be here. We're going to talk about uh, African Americans in television as a part of our compliment to uh, uh, Black History Month. And uh, on Wednesday, we're going to we're going to talk more about hiking in the Mountain to Sea Trail. But uh, with some interesting programs coming up and different programs coming up next week. But it's the same old thing. It's weather, but how interesting it is. <laughs> Everybody likes to talk about it. What, isn't that what Ben Franklin said? But nobody does anything about it. Well, I'm sure we would if we could. But it is it is interesting. And uh, I interrupted you, and I apologize. But uh, uh, Well, you, you, know, you asked about uh, uh, the temperature... Uh, maximums and minimums, especially the minimums at night, have not been all that terribly cold, and and that is true. And uh, if you uh, if you look back uh, the last thirty or so days, uh, you know it's it's been below normal overall, but it's mostly because the daytimes have been rather cold, and not so much the nighttimes. Uh, uh, you know, the daytime max maximum temperatures have been uh, below to sometimes well below normal. Uh, you know, for instance, today, for instance, I mean the temperatures didn't get out of the uh, low to mid thirties, and our, our typical uh, high temperature this time of year is somewhere in the fifties. So, so you know, we were twenty to thirty degrees uh, below the normal for this time of year on our maximum temperatures. One of the reasons why the uh, the temperatures at night have not gone down is because the humidities have been high. Uh, when you have high humidity. Uh, it, it's much harder to uh, to get temperatures cold because the the moisture in the air actually holds the heat, uh, you know. And then so it's and if you don't have that drying off and radiating, uh, you don't get uh, you don't get as cold. It's it's you know the other extreme is being in the desert. If you're in a desert, it's very dry and it's very easy to cool the temperatures off. But if you're in a humid climate uh, like here right now. Uh, it's very hard to get those temperatures to go down that far. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's, again, a symptom of, of all the water that's been here the last six months. And, and, and the, uh, the ground is, is very wet. Uh, it is saturated in many places, ponding of water and everything else. So that's adding to the local humidity uh, in, in many areas, and that's why our temperatures have not gone down. Uh, interesting things happening. Uh, uh, right when this new front began to move in the other night, we had had thunder and lightning, I believe. Oh, yeah. And then we yeah. had uh, down in Brunswick County a really an EF3 tornado. And uh, uh, can right. you talk about the conditions that would, you know, along the lines of what you've been doing that would produce a tornado? Well, the you know the, the storm cracks, as I mentioned, have have been further south, pushed further south. And the reason why the storm tracks have been pushed further south uh, is because the jet stream has been further south. And when you have the jet stream undulating, as it does, uh, in this part of the country, uh, you get the right set of circumstances with warm, moist air off the Atlantic clashing with cold air. Uh, It it ends, it it, uh, translates to a... uh, to produce to the production of thunderstorms that have wind shear in them. And by wind shear, I mean the wind is coming from maybe the south or southeast near the surface and coming around very strongly to the west or northwest where the jet stream is far above. And you have that twisting of the wind 
direction going on, it, it organizes thunderstorms uh, and makes them more capable of producing a tornado. Now, it's, it's interesting that you should bring that up because we are getting into that season now that uh, we could start seeing more tornadoes. And, and this could be a very active springtime. Uh, I'm not saying that it, it, it is, or I'm not trying to, uh, to be too alarmist about it, but uh, we, if we go back in the history books, uh, as early as February 19th, as in tomorrow, uh, back in 1884, we had a very large outbreak of tornadoes uh, that occurred uh, across Alabama, Georgia, and, and throughout the Carolinas. And uh, in, in one of them, it even killed uh, 50 or more people down there in Monroe County, uh, just east of Charlotte. And, uh, and there were several other fatalities and injuries uh, across the Carolinas uh, during that outbreak. They had something like uh, almost 40 tornadoes uh, uh, across the area. Uh, and again, you know, going back, I know it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's going back quite a ways, but it is in the history books, and it can occur this time of year. Let me say this, that uh, you remember, you, you of course, uh, know the importance of 1984 and the Red Springs tornadoes, yep. you know, and yep. they created... Fast forward there, yeah. Yeah, well, well, there's a connection here. They created uh, uh, an awareness, communications kind of, the job that you had, as a matter of fact. Uh, right. I don't, I never get the name of it right, but your predecessor, I think, was a man named Dennis Decker, isn't that right? Yes. Yes, well, Dennis was on with I'm on our morning show on WPTF one morning with Donna Mason, and one of the things that changed when they when they after they they tried to update things after the Red Springs tornadoes was that more alerts went out, you know, and uh, and uh, I think it was in February, and Donna got like four or five alerts, and she was reading them, and finally she just handed them over to him and said, "Here, you you're responsible for this. You read these." <laughs> And because <laughs> tornadic action in February is what I'm alluding to here. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Um, in February, so, you know, another aspect to, to this year as being somewhat of a, a year that I have to be concerned about uh, heading into the springtime here is that it is a La Nina year. Uh, the, uh, here, we, here we hear that term La Nina once again. That's the, the cold current out in the, in the Pacific. Under those kinds of conditions, the, many of the years that we had major outbreaks of spring tornadoes have occurred during years in which we've had La Ninas in the Pacific. Uh, we can go back to 2011 here, and uh, not only here in North Carolina, which uh, many of us are aware of what happened 10 years ago, uh, but all across the country. 2011, the, the Joplin tornado uh, occurred that year, uh, a maximum F5 that went through Joplin, Missouri, uh, and killed so many people there. Uh, one of the largest outbreaks of tornado ever to occur in the United States that uh, we have records of was 1974, where there were almost 150 tornadoes, uh, and I'm talking about you know significant tornadoes occurring from the, the Gulf states all the way up into the uh, into the Great Lakes region. That was 1974. That was a La Nina year as well. Uh, years before that, 1964 and 5 were La Nina years that had major tornadoes, and 1956 and 7 were also major tornadoes during a La Nina year. So, you know, La Nina has had a, uh, you know, there, there have been many more La Ninas than there have been major tornado outbreaks, but those major tornado outbreaks across the country have frequently occurred during La Nina. So 
there seems to be some connection there. And, uh, and so hopefully uh, this won't happen, but, uh, but it does raise a little bit of concern on my part as far as uh, the possibility of severe weather being uh, a little bit more evident this year than in the springtime than, than it has in the past. Now, at this latitude here in, in uh, you know, we can think about the, the I-40 latitude here from here to Oklahoma City. Uh, our, our chances, our probabilities of uh, climatologically of getting a tornado uh, increased steadily uh, in the springtime to about a maximum around the, the first week in May. So, uh, so that's, you know, so we have, we've got a, you know, several couple months here uh, to, uh, to be concerned about the, that happening. Now, of course, uh, very memorable, uh, you brought it up earlier, was March 28th of 1984, the Maxton Red Springs tornado. That was the first outbreak that we had uh, in this part of the country like that uh, in, in many, many decades. In fact, it may be the biggest one since that 1884 event that I mentioned to you uh, earlier. Uh, so they don't happen very often, but, uh, you know, those the, the pieces of the puzzle can come together very suddenly to, to cause a maximum outbreak like that. Uh, you mentioned uh, 2011 earlier, and that, I think, was the last year that we actually had a tornado alive within the, the confines of Raleigh. Uh, that, the tornado that cut across southeast Raleigh and uh, visited uh, Shaw University and so on, I believe, was in April right. of, of uh, 2011. 2011, right. Uh, well, I know my wife said, uh, Tom, I think you should go in and look at the television. And we just finished some repairs, massive repairs on our house. And uh, the people at Channel 5 were saying things like uh, to their employees, if you don't work on this floor, you should go to the basement. And I think your your folks out there uh, turned the things over to uh, Blacksburg or somewhere and, and uh, went you know, somewhere else, too, if I remember correctly, because it, it was coming right across where, where the Centennial Campus is and uh, where Channel 5 studios are located on Western Boulevard. Right. Well, it, it originated, uh, the one we're talking about originated in the Stanford area where it uh, wiped out a Lowe's, I believe, yep. uh, in, that, right. in that area. And there were pieces of insulation from there that were ending up here in the Triangle, and I remember going hiking out at Umstead and seeing pieces of insulation from that uh, Lowe's uh, that you know, spread all over the, the Umstead well, area. So, uh, well, that was, you know, that was something, uh, I don't know if you remember, with the Red Springs tornadoes. They, they, were, they found some checks that somebody in Maxton or somewhere had written somewhere east of Greenville. Uh, and, yeah. Uh, the tornado had picked all the debris up and just was spreading it all over eastern North Carolina. Yep, uh, it, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing phenomena. Uh, it's, an, it's called a supercell thunderstorm, and that's what. Those are the types of thunderstorms that produce the types of uh, tornadoes that uh, that occurred here in 2011, and in 1984, and in 1988 here in in Raleigh again. Uh, and the thing about a supercell tornado, uh, supercell thunderstorm is that it is organized and is pretty much self-sustaining so that it can track for many, many miles and not, uh, and, and not decrease in intensity. It just maintains its, uh, its intensity as it goes for tens of miles at times. And a, a normal thunderstorm, you have an updraft and a downdraft. 
and uh, and there uh, it goes through cycles where you have an updraft that that gets uh, washed out by the heavy rain and then it settles into a downdraft and then a little bit later you have another updraft and downdraft. But in a supercell thunderstorm, the the updraft and the downdraft stay separated and they're tilted in, in such a way that uh, that they just persist. They just uh, go on uh, for many miles uh, in an organized fashion. And that's when you can have not only one tornado, but you can have several tornadoes occurring, sometimes even in families uh, of tornadoes uh, that can occur from a superstell thunderstorm. From, from what I read in the newspaper, the tornado in Brunswick, the Brunswick tornado was a little bit like the 1988, if, I, if, it, if I've got it right, tornado in Raleigh, and that it didn't have a long trail. It sort of just appeared, and of course it was dark, yeah. And, and, yeah. and it was just there. And uh, yeah, well, you know, at this time of year, this part of the country, they can be very quick hitting and very, very uh, short duration. Uh, yeah. They're up and they're down, and they're mostly they're mostly uh, associated, as I mentioned, with the jet stream and with the, with the wind pattern. Not as much by the instability. In other words, the the hot air and and the co- contrast with the cold air. Although it's very important uh, to 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 producing. Uh, that type of thunderstorm, uh, the the main the main actors in that, the main features in that are the winds uh, that are in the environment. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, from the southeast and the low levels, and then swinging up to the west or even northwest and the upper levels. That just adds to the twisting of that uh, updraft and uh, and organization of the storm. I want to tell you that we need to take a break here, and so uh, okay, uh, we'll have the last quarter of our program. But I can also give you a weather report. Uh, it's raining at my house, so uh, <laughs> I, I think there was supposed to be some rain, and then it would let off, and then earlier later in the night there would be some more rain. And but uh, you know, it's kind of cyclical, kind of a roller coaster thing. Rod Gonski is a meteorologist. He is our guest tonight, and we'll be back with him right after this. With our guest, Mr. Rod Gonski, who is a meteorologist. I did. I used to give his pedigree all the time. He actually is from Western Massachusetts, and he was educated at Penn State University. And he's been a uh, Wake County person since about 1977. Does that sound right, Rod? That is, you've got it down. <laughs> I mean, well, I've been working on it, and you, you've you have my dossier there, I guess. Well, you've been visiting with us. This program is, is. I've been doing it about 32 years now, and you've been with us for about 30 of those years, I think, because I, <laughs> I know you were around in the early uh, in the early 90s. I remember we used to be on for a couple hours uh, on, on a Saturday. Uh, on Saturday, on that's right. Uh, so, uh, that's, uh, that's so how I look at that. Well, you obviously had you had you had on a number of items that you wanted to report on tonight, and for which I am glad. Is there anything left in the bag that you well? You know, I'm to? I'm always uh, I'm always into the literature and, and references. Uh, uh, you know, we talked about tornadoes, and, and uh, some good books on tornadoes are uh, the the tornado, nature's ultimate windstorm by Tom Rezulius. G-R-A-Z-U-L-I-S. I have found uh, that to be a good reference book. Uh, also, another book called F5 by Mark Levine. Uh, and uh, it's the devastation, survival, uh, and the most violent tornado outbreak 
of the 20th century. Uh, also a good book, uh, talking about those that occurred back in 1974. And another good book for context on, uh, on tornadoes and where we've come uh, over the last few decades on warning for tornadoes. Uh, it's called Warnings, A True Story of How Science Tamed the Weather by Mike Smith. And uh, so those three books are, are really good for tornado uh, references. You know, I, I talked about earlier about the, uh, the, uh, the cold weather back in 1899. That also included a, a stretch of very cold February weather here in, in Raleigh. Uh, the, you can just go on the web and, and just uh, search out the Great Arctic Outbreak, uh, and it tells you about the Great Arctic Outbreak of February 1899. And that was put together by uh, the, the data center, uh, NOAA data center, uh, uh, you know, part of the National Weather Service uh, in NOAA. Uh, and so they, they have some good information there about cold outbreaks. And, uh, um, you know, so there's, there's plenty of places where you can go to, to research history and of, of some of the uh, major weather that has occurred here in, in, uh, in the United States over the last several decades and even couple centuries, actually. And speaking of uh, long-term history, you know, there's a book that I came across and I'm, I'm really anxious to read. Uh, it was, it, it's, it's called, there's a title, A Land So Strange, and it's uh, with a colon, The Epic Journey of Cabeza de Vaca. This was uh, written back in 2007, and it was about a, uh, a journey by uh, a Spanish fellow, uh, obviously an explorer, uh, who took good notes on things like weather and, and uh, um, um, the uh, fauna and the, and the foliage across the southern United States. And this was written back in, 15, uh, not written, but this was documented uh, from records back in 1528. So it's almost 500 years ago uh, what they came across at that time. I just thought it would be an interesting thing to, uh, to look into sometimes. So it's called A Land So Strange, The Epic Journey of Cabeza de Vaca. So that's something for you to read there. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to look into that. You know, we have to be careful. Uh, you know, we talk about, uh, when we're talking about uh, the settlement of America and its exploration, and uh, yeah. like the, the oldest town is supposed to be St. Augustine's in Florida, when there's Spanish settlements that turn into towns, like Santa Fe, for instance, yeah. that, uh, that were already settled before the Englishmen showed up in Jamestown. You know. Yeah. Missions, missionaries, was, many of them missionaries, right? And the missions in California and uh, and and things like that. So we, we have to be very careful when we're when we're yeah you know, just to be right. Uh, but uh, and those books that you're talking about uh, of the the explorer who comes and writes uh, what the natives look like and what the flora and fauna were are really very good mm -hmm. for historians. Rod, yeah. you you've just about tied it up tonight. You're going to have to be willing <laughs> to come back and continue this story sometime <laughs> soon. Okay. My pleasure, Tom. I may talk to you in just a couple of minutes when we're off the air, if that's all right with you. But thank you so okay. much for being here tonight and, and being uh, having such a good show when we have, we've had such interesting weather. Rod Gonski, meteorologist, uh, tonight talking about the weather. Tomorrow night is going to be uh, uh, trivia night, and uh, we hope you'll tune in for that. And we have some interesting programs, as I said, coming up next week. Right now, this is Tom Kearney at WPTF. <laughs>